Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the Build Up, our weekly podcast on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks, where we get you hype for the sporting weekend. My name is Mark Ferdy, and as always, I am joined by Mick McCarthy. Mick, how are you doing? I'm good, Mark. How are you? Ashram, all right. Struggling like a poor farmer, to say. But uh, there's plenty to look forward to this weekend. We've got yeah. a, a, a like the season, I suppose, the 2019 uh, season, football season, is finally um, in Europe, and and, and obviously the, with the English teams have come has come to an end there at the weekend. So we've a bit of a break, and the 2020 season uh, won't start until this weekend. So um, <laughs> we'll have a nice four yeah. or five days off. Well, I mean. This season has finally come to an end, but next season, uh, what's happening next season is Dundalk and Derry City and Linfield are already out of Europe. Well, out of the Champions League for the first two anyway, and uh, we'll be, uh, Derry City are out of Europe. Um, we've got uh, the French League is about four or five games underway. Celtic have already been through a controversy on their way to 10 in a row. And uh, so that's what's happening next season. That's just yeah. my clairvoyant is telling me that that's what, what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, the the the, the epic and endless 2019-20 season finally did actually end, and I think it was a surprise to us all. And it's been very strange. I don't know if you felt this way, but it's been a very strange, uh, you know, almost a subconscious loss over the course of this week so far. When it like it comes to the evening, and it's like you know, I've got a kind of a routine where with a with a new baby, where we put them to bed, and we get the kind of bottles together, and you do a clean up and stuff like that. And I'm kind of always finished at around eight, ten past eight, and there was just a kind of a magnetism just trying to bringing me into the sitting room to look for football over the last two nights, and there's no football on, and. I have to say, I've got very used to every day of the week football. I really yeah, have. And I'm, I'm a little bit lost without it. Yeah, I'm also uh, kind of wary of this Friday night because, like, we talked about the Friday before being brilliant. Last Friday as well, you had the Europa League finally, you had the League of Ireland on, you had um, the Crokes, Dr. Crokes and Austin Stacks yeah. match as well at the same time. And it was so hard to be flicking between them all. So I don't even, I'd have to see what's coming up this weekend, this Friday, because I don't know if they're going to be the same conundrums, which might be a good thing. It's maybe we could just focus on one uh, sporting event. But uh, I don't know what we're going to do for these quiet Friday nights that will exist for the next week and a half. Uh, yeah. But look, there have is a romantic lots. night in, Mark. <laughs> yeah, oh God, no, I don't know. Uh, but that. anyway... <laughs> There is so much happening this weekend with the BMW Championship. The Belgian Grand Prix is on. Obviously, there's still plenty of football. The Community Shield, as we're hinting at there, is going to be on this weekend. And uh, the Scottish Premiership as well. And then we've got, as well, uh, the rugby, obviously, the Pro 14. We're going to talk yeah. talking to Stephen Ferris. That is the main thing this weekend. Uh, we'll be chatting to Stephen Ferris uh, in just a few minutes um, after. What did you make of the open weekend back? I really enjoyed it. Funny enough, I, I, I spoke to Stevie a little bit earlier and I, I'm going to ask him just in a minute about kind of, you know, how he found the weirdness of the empty stadiums and stuff like that. I do think we were prepared for it by watching so much kind of like football and GEA over the last few months, uh, you know, because rugby's obviously the last one back of the major sports. But at the same time, it still felt a little bit weird. But at the same time, they were 
good games. Like, you know, and that was the sort of, suddenly you're kind of dragged back in by the fact that rugby always takes you a while. We've talked about this in the show, uh, even only just last week, that it takes you a while to kind of get back into it. But it didn't this time at all because it just felt, it might not have been the highest stakes in the world, but it's interpros with full teams out, you know, especially the Munster-Leinster match, you know. Um, yeah. But God, like, I mean... Mark, I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it, in in a horrible year of horrible things happening across the board to different degrees, Orgy Snyman going down after seven minutes into his debut and it confirming, obviously, yesterday that he'd done his cruise shit and he's going to be out for the year. Bloody hell. Like, you know, if you didn't have any luck, you, or you didn't have bad luck, you'd have no luck at all, like for Munster. But, Definitely. Um, Especially the that game just seemed to be every few minutes there was somebody... Mm. down with some sort of injury and so John Klein came on for him and then came back, had to go back off again uh, yeah. with an injury as well so like they've killed Coyne gone as well like yeah. there's, just, there's a lot of injuries alright for Munster now going ahead but in general I suppose over the course of the two games definitely but uh, this weekend obviously it is Ulster against Leinster and Connacht against Munster so we'll be chatting to Stephen in just a few minutes make you caught up with him uh, we'll be getting his thoughts on that and of course the open weekend's action we'll also be previewing the GEA weekend, PJ Brown will be back on the line again. I wonder what mad championship PJ got engrossed in over <laughs> the last seven days. We'll be finding out more for him. And of course, we'll be bringing you our one, two, three and big shout where you give, we give you a chance to win two cakes and a sports biography. Did you come this, or did you do it, Mick? You came very close, I believe, last week. So I remember you laughed at me with my tenfold accumulator. Uh, it was 37 to 1. Turned out that was a bit a stretch too far. But I was only let down by two results, Mark. And I was going into the 10th one, the, the Connacht Ulster game, with only one down. And I was feeling sick. And then I have to say, no offense to Stevie. I hope he, if he's listening back to this, it's nothing to do with your team. It's only to do with my selfish betting teams. But I was absolutely delighted that Connacht bet Ulster so that I wasn't <laughs> one short. And I was, so that I was two short instead of one. But, oh God, I had a good run for it, Mark, because... I had when Lukaku uh, was, I think I had the two basketball scores were up and then I had Lukaku to score any time in the Europa League final and he scored after like three minutes. I was like, oh yes. And I was kind of half watching the Europa League final. I was actually watching the Rovers match more so and you were texting me going, oh, it's one all now. What's going to happen? And I, was, and I was like, I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> Lukaku got the goal. That's all that matters. But uh, yeah, oh, look, it's Celt- Celtic, to be honest. Uh, um, I needed three goals in that game they scored their one and only goal after like 83 minutes, which is an awful time to give you that little bit of hope because you're thinking, yeah. oh, geez, could they get another quick one here and then done the United score again? It could happen. But uh, yeah, alas, it wasn't to be. Uh, the other thing, of course, that's happened since we were last on air is that Lionel Messi has said that he wants to leave Barcelona. Now, I heard this again yesterday and I couldn't understand why this was different to all the other 500 reports that Lionel Messi wants to leave Barcelona over the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the club have seemingly confirmed it now. This looks like it is a definite thing. Well, and of he course, never sent the fax any of the other yeah, times over to say, the last the, 10 years. The, so. <laughs> the fax thing. There's two things, actually, sorry. That reminds me, because the two funniest things I've seen on the internet this week, not funny, but just like, like what the hell is the fax thing, the fact that he faxed the club. Uh, and also, I meant to mention when we talked about the season ending, it was a brilliant tweet. I can't remember who it was by. Uh, so sorry, I can't give them the credit. But they pointed out that uh, Lewandowski, Robert Lewandowski, Robert Lewandowski uh, was uh, 30 when the 2019-2020 season started. And he'd been in the championship, Champions League final last weekend at the age of 32. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that nuts? That's unbelievable. 
<laughs> so he's literally two years older. Uh, but anyway, back to the messy thing. Where is okay. he going to go, Mick? That is the question, right? Yes. So Labrooks have a market here, labrooks.com, of Lena Messi's club at the end of the summer transfer window. Can you give me the... I'm going to say, let's go through the top five clubs. Can you name them in reverse order? What's the lowest price of the, 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 the fifth price? Fifth price is 12 to 1. I need you to name them all, I think, in the one go, just because you'd be giving away if I okay. tell you such and such is fourth or whatever. So okay, I'll give it a go. One. Do I have to be in order, yeah? Well, no, just give it... Yeah, okay, I'll see go, how many okay, you can get right. I'll say, going from the most likely, I would say Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, Inter Milan. Ooh. Chelsea and Man... No, no. Manchester United and um, whatever Inter Miami or whatever they're called. David Beckham's team. Ah, right. Are they in there? You had it right when you were half talking there Chelsea. and then you decided to talk <laughs> yourself out of it. So, fifth most likely team. I go through them all here. Um, I think it's top 10 here, but it looks of it. Real Madrid at 66 to 1. Okay, that's not going to uh, happen. That's not going to happen. Liverpool at 20 to 1. There's not no happen. real talk of that happening either. Bayern Munich at 16 to 1. No word of that really either. Any Argentinian club at 16 to 1. Um, I don't know. I think he'll, he's like, I can't see him go back to Argentina just yet. No. Um, I think there'll be another club in between that. Juventus at 14 to 1. Uh, him and Ronaldo teaming up to win the Champions League. That would be brilliant, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> then you're talking Chelsea at 12 to 1. Uh, seeing as they're buying every single player in the world this champion, this yeah. transfer window. So, like, I mean, the question is, if he does go to Chelsea, given that they've bought, given who they've bought and who else they're likely to sign this window, will it still count as a miracle if Frank Lampard finishes the Champions League? I don't know, though. Is, is Messi guaranteed his team if, like, you know, you know, Frank won't like him coming in, given the big one? And, yeah. you know, and he, he, he's, he's always great for Mount. putting in the young players, yeah. Yeah, like, like, you know, Mason. it's Mason's jersey to lose, you know. Like, I mean, Lionel's got to come in here and, you know, win it off him, you know. When you think about it, Messi is the most anti-Chelsea, current Chelsea narrative signing player <laughs> that could possibly be. Chelsea given lots of chance to younger players and they've got a tr- the, the, you know, the transfer embargo that lasted for one window and they couldn't sign anyone. And now they go and sign probably the greatest player of all time and uh, when he's in this twilight years. But anyway. We're so Chelsea, harsh on Chelsea. If I was yeah, a Chelsea there's fan, no I need for us. <laughs> there's no need for us to go into this. We're only joking. If anyone's listening, Frank, we're only having a laugh. Um, we love you really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we don't mind you really. Uh, fourth favourites, Man United at nine to one. Yeah. Uh, and then the top this. three uh is PSG at seven to one, Inter Milan at five to one, Man City at uh, eleven to ten on. Eleven to ten on for yep. Messi's next club. Wow. Just a little less than evens. That's I really hope man. he doesn't go to Man City. He is going to Man City though. Under Pep, though, like you, if you take the whole Man Cityness out of it, like that's a like that's a team that you have, you know, Sterling, Messi, and I don't know, I don't know, I don't think, and maybe Aguero, Aguero, his international teammate, uh, with Kevin De Bruyne behind the three of them. Yeah, that's it will a make, sexy if, team. In fairness, if you like, consider, isn't it? yeah, if you consider how far Liverpool were ahead of them last season, um, but go by take take maybe their end of season form and Messi. Like that kind of that made yeah. the playing field. I wonder though. Like, I mean, they're ultimately still going to have, you know, a seventy-five-year-old Fernandino at the back 
with Rodri and Gundogan ahead of him if they don't buy some, you yeah. know, if they don't buy some. And they else. also need to buy, I think, probably need to, I think it, as, like, this is ridiculous, but uh, I was, no, I can't, I'm not even going to say the sentence, never mind. Yeah, you have <laughs> to just, now. I think if you're looking to win the league this season, say, right, for City, if the, the choice between Ronaldo and Messi, possibly, no, never mind. I'm, not, I'm just thinking. They're not going to buy uh, Ronaldo. No, I know they're not going to buy Ronaldo. I'm just saying they need a striker. If you look at the age profile of, like, you've got Aguero, um, who has been absolutely brilliant and probably actually underrated as one of the best Premier League strikers of all time. But then you've got Gabriel Jesus has never really managed to oust Aguero from that position. Mm. So, like, they need probably more like a Lewandowski or Ronaldo. Or do you have Messi. false nine Phil Foden? False nine Phil Foden, yeah. Or as false nine Messi. The... Yeah, maybe. There you go. Oh, but anyway. Gosh. I hate myself. But I, I hate do... talking about false nines. <laughs> I don't understand why Leeds aren't on this shortlist here because he wants to like play under Bielsa. That would be obviously a dream for Messi. Think of the narrative. Going to Leeds United, one of the biggest clubs in England, after coming up from the Championship, getting them into the Champions League straight away, winning the, the Premier League the season after Did that. Did Bielsa not like, absolutely ruin Argentinian football for a generation, no? I know. Why did you think that? Ah, he did. <laughs> Where's the evidence for it? Have you any evidence for it? The burden of proof's on you, Mark. <laughs> the burden of proof is on you. You're the one that made <laughs> that ridiculous claim before. Anyway, moving to the disastrous World Cup. I don't know if he was. They didn't like, get out I of the mean, group in 02. They were second favourites for the competition behind France, who also didn't get out of the group. International football may not have just suited him. That's the only issue. Uh, look what he did. Well, actually, was it? Yeah, international football, 100 percentage suited him when you look what he did with Chile. <laughs> <laughs> so. Argentinian international football may not have uh, but anyway we must move on with the show uh, if you've not subscribed yet please do so by searching the bill up on Balls ID and all good podcast apps you obviously know where to find it if you're listening because you're there already so just hit that subscribe button and also leave a rating and a review while you're there it'll mean an awful lot to us but it is time to get on with the show Mick earlier on you chatted to Stephen Ferris previewing this weekend's Pro 14 matches let's hear from him now Right, delighted to say we're joined by Stephen Ferris, as we always are on the show when we talk about rugby. Stevie, it was all back last weekend. We had two Interpros at the Aviva Stadium. You were covering both games. You were at both games. We talked last week about what the atmosphere was going to be like and how kind of odd it would be, and maybe we were prepared for it by watching other sports for the last few months. Was there anything that kind of surprised you, I suppose, uh, that you weren't quite expecting either way, whether it was uh, you know, for better or worse? Yeah, um, yeah, I think I was slightly surprised. Um, surprised by all the lads sitting on the bench, more or less acting like cheerleaders for their team. Mm-hmm. Like it was, um, it was bizarre. Like you know, somebody puts in a big hit, and there's twenty lads on the bench standing up, and like it was almost like NFL. And there was like a lot of whooping and what all this here you know on the bench and I was like lads pipe down you know you get beaten 26 20 uh and you're you know hurrahing and all over the um on the bench because like so when Ulster bring a team generally it's the same thing when Ulster Lancer or whatever they're going down to play a match yes there's 23 players involved in the in the team but they would generally bring maybe 30 so, like, just in case there's anybody that drops out uh, in the warm-ups or, you know, somebody's sick on the way down in the bus or whatever it may be, they always bring four or five extra bodies. So those four or five extra bodies were the, the people who were, you know, giving it all big licks on the on the sideline, even though they weren't involved. 
So it, it was really strange to kind of witness that because I haven't seen that since my my old playing days with, uh, like Dungannon or Portadown yeah. or something where, you know, the referee makes a bad decision and the whole bench jumps up, you know, like, ah, oh, shouting and uh, giving off. So, yeah, that was really strange. And I suppose that still happens on a match night, but you don't see it or hear it because there's 50,000 people there, mm. um, you know, probably doing something similar. So, yeah, uh, yeah that, that was very strange, um, I suppose. I've been used to, like, over the years, hearing Slayton and Sledging and everything else between two teams on the pitch. Uh, but because there was no fans, you could hear that um, a lot clearer. So uh, that was good to hear. Um, the likes of Bundy and uh, James Lowe at the weekend, you know, giving it giving it big big licks. So, no, it was good. Um, <laughs> just very strange. Just very strange. There's no atmosphere. And that yeah. was the main point. It was it was two good games considering there was no atmosphere from the crowd uh, and I'm sure adrenaline and everything wouldn't have been as high. Of course, it's not going to be as high when you don't have um, the thousands uh, cheering you on. Yeah, no, it it felt weird at times. Like I know that even you know the the, the Henshaw Ringrose try, you know, the little kick through or something, that felt like a lesser try when you suddenly you don't hear the cheers of the of the crowd you know or even the the monster in the corner there was all of them you know they just they felt like at not as big a deal as they actually were it was only on the replay we were like geez that was actually a beautiful little move you know um but i suppose that that's just something we'll all get used to in times i think you know um one thing i was thinking though watching the games was uh, i'm going to use johnny sexton as an example but he's not the only one is how beneficial this you know break might have been for some players like people will have missed long time over with injuries over the years but nobody will have ever missed as much time while fit as these guys have you know if you you've so like nobody's ever really not played rugby for six months while fit and someone like Johnny Sexton who's had so many niggly injuries they mightn't have always been keeping him out of games but when was the last time he was 100% you go in you're 35 he just looked fresh and he looked uh, strong and he just looked uh, sharp and you're thinking hmm you know there's a long season ahead he's got plenty more time to pick up some of these uh, niggles again but right now <laughs> this could be beneficial you know yeah definitely I think from a selfish point of view for Johnny Sexton it's great he's going into his last year of his Irish contract um, if he's feeling good about himself then I'm sure he's definitely thinking that he can offer a bit more to Irish rugby and Leinster rugby for maybe another year, two years. Um, and if he's able to perform on the pitch and show that he is looking fresh, he is looking sharp, then that'll go a long way to hopefully trying to secure him another deal with the RFU. I think Johnny's um, definitely won't want to travel away again. I think you know if he is going to retire from professional rugby, he will want to do that in Ireland. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he looked tremendous. He was physical at times. He still hasn't learned how to tackle properly. Um, and the... Uh, in the lockdown, so he took a he took a yeah yeah he took a couple of um, heavy blows from CJ Stander as always, but yeah like there was a couple of other players. I thought Andrew Conway looked exceptional. Any time he touched the ball, um, he stepped James Lowe on the on the right hand side, and James mm. Lowe actually turned around and started laughing as if like you know why did that happen? It shouldn't have happened, but it did. It was just a really good uh, step and a great finish. And Clute Day obviously got the the drive on him also. So yeah. There was there were some players that looked really sharp, and then there was other players that looked way off the pace. Yeah. Um, like like Craig Gilroy is a really he's a good friend of mine, and you know if if I'm slating him or giving him a hard time or constructive criticism, 
he'll always send me a text and, you know, be a, be a bit of banter. But, you know, the ball was whipped across and I think it was Perch or whoever was breaking through for Connor. And, like, Gilly had his, his back to the attack. And it's like, you know, you should always be square on the, on the attack and trying your best. And that's just lack of match uh, practice and lack of game time. It's all well and good getting away with that kind of stuff and training. Mm. So you look at somebody like Johnny who can back straight into the mix and you look at somebody like Craig who it might take him two or three games to get back up to speed again. So every individual is different. Um, but I definitely think there's other players that looked a lot sharper than, than some. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just staying with the with the Munster Leinster game briefly, then like Munsters, we, we you talked about you tipped Munster to win last week, and you were very very close for that to come off. And one of the reasons you did was because the new big second row, Orgie Snyman, who was going to change the game for them. And for seven minutes, it looked like you might be onto something here. And then, like, oh god, I can't even. I knew the second he was gone off, I said that's his crew should gone. It's the last we'll save him for a year, right at the start of an elongated season as well that he's going to miss. Like, that's just such a kick in the teeth for Munster. But, you know, even that aside, I thought that they showed, like, inj- they're going to miss Kilcoyne and Klein now as well for a while. So it's all it's going to be really tough for them for the rest of this season. But it looks like Munster have putting it together a little bit. And I thought that the combination of the Alande and Farrell, especially in midfield, just seemed like, oh, that that's something now. There, we, we found something to yeah. click there that we haven't seen in a long time uh, in, a, in a Munster midfield, especially. I thought Farrell was exceptional. He was, I, yeah. I think he, uh, he he was a bit more of a ball player too. You know, I, I know that um, around the corner pass that he gave for, for the Conway, that set up the Conway try, but he just seemed to, every time he got the ball, he ran out a soft shoulder. He never got smacked uh, head on. Very rarely, and he always seemed to, get that one yard, two yards, even for their first try when Conway scored the first try. He was the guy that gave them the couple of yards. And then Dale Andy, he nearly scored two phases after Farrell took it up. So they're having huge involvements and that's what you want from your centres. Um, and I, I thought both lads played really, really well. Munster looked, um, they looked dangerous off quick ball. They, they really did. I thought JJ Hanron stepped up to the plate. There's been a lot of talk about him. Um, obviously, Joey Carberry out injured once again, but um, he done really, really well. And like, I honestly think if, if Snyman hadn't went off injured, like that, it would have been a different game. Yeah. Um, I, I, th- I think Munster would have would have won the game. And it's easy saying that now. Like Leinster could have kicked on and used their power game in the second half, and you know stuck it up the jumper a bit more, scrummed the mold uh, Munster off the pitch, but they didn't. And that's fair play to Munster. They came back into it. They showed a lot of fight. And, you know, I think there was a few words maybe said at half time to, mm. to go out there and, and get stuck in and see what happens. And, you know, JJ missed a kick in the last uh, the last couple of minutes to, to get a draw. Um, but, yeah, like that injury, Mick, was, uh, you know, I feel sorry for him having to spend the depths of winter in Limerick now. <laughs> 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 He's going to get a wake up call, isn't he? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's going to find out what rain is. I think for the, in the next in the next few months, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, yeah. you know, he he may go home. But like that is uh, that's such a kick in the teeth. But um, again, I think Munster showed signs that they're um, definitely developing, as you mentioned. There, they kind of have to win this weekend against Connacht. Like a bonus point might be enough. Obviously, the Scarlets might not win, whatever it might be. They're unlikely to catch Edinburgh. So it's looking like, you know, again, not to rule out Connacht or anything like that, but it, it's looking like another Munster-Lencer game in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, 
Would you say that Leinster have more improvement than Munster based on what we're talking about and, you know, and who hits the ground running and everything like that? Did, not that Munster missed their chance because they're two completely different games and they'd have to play both of them anyway, but uh, you know, I don't know, my amateur opinion would be that, that Leinster have more to step up than, than Munster. Yeah, I think it felt like Leinster had another gear at the yeah. weekend. Um, but like Munster were, 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 were getting back to we know where we know they can be, but Leinster were kind of just going through the motions for large parts of the game. Um, it felt like they get up their physicality stakes to probably some something similar to what Connacht showed on, on the Sunday game and even probably a little bit more. There's still players to bring back, you know, Tag Furlong in the, in the mm. front row. He's going to add um, a bit of dynamism in there and, uh, you know, a couple of players in the back row, they can switch things around. So, yeah, I certainly feel that Leinster have another gear to give and it wouldn't surprise me if it was Leinster Munster, the way it's looking like in, in a semi-final, that, you know, they, they won that game by 15 points. That's just mm. kind of... The, the team they are at the minute. They got across the line. They didn't play their best rugby by any stretch, um, but they got the job done against Munster. And they've, they haven't had many games like that this yeah. season. You know, I think it was the, the Zebra game away that they scraped a 3 0 win. But apart from that, they've been pretty convincing all season. Mm. So um, I think for Munster in a couple of weeks' time, it'll just be let's throw the kitchen sink at them, try and put them under a bit of pressure see what happens if you're in the game with half an hour to go you just never know in a knockout game but as I said there Mick it, it, it does feel like Leinster can shift it into third or fourth gear They're playing Ulster this weekend we'll talk more about the Ulster performance in, in a minute um, at the weekend and whether there's any worries there but how much do you think so it's funny this unbeaten thing it's obviously going to hang over them in a certain way and get into your head a little bit but the long break it almost messes, you know, breaks the season a little bit but suddenly you hang on and you win a close one like this it becomes it becomes a thing again now, you know, and you've got max five games to go that could make unbelievable history, not just winning the double, but to win every game on the way to do it. It's a long, bloody way to go. All the hardest matches are still to come. But that's going to start getting into their heads a little bit now, and it becomes suddenly a meaningless game like this on Saturday becomes a pretty big deal, at least for Leinster. Yeah, and, and I think how you combat that is by selecting guys um, who are... You know, they're not the first teamers. They're not the guys who might go out there and, and be a little casual. You know, the, the, the second guys who are coming in and they're fighting for every inch to try and give themselves an opportunity to get a Leinster jersey on their back again mm-hmm. in the next couple of two or three weeks. So I think Leo might make a number of changes and it wouldn't surprise me if they go out and they play better than they did last week. Um, that's what they've done all season. You know, the 50-odd players have used and they all seem to play at a certain level, a level that Leo and um, Stuart Lancaster and the rest of the coaching staff expect week in, week out. So, yeah, it is easy to switch off, become casual, um, maybe not take the game as seriously due to there is, the, it's pretty much a dead rubber and for, for, for Leinster-like. So, um, yeah, I, I have a funny feeling Leo will make a, lot, a raft of changes and, and mm. give guys who are chomping at the bed opportunity. Ulster then um, again, the, like the Glasgow lost before the game on Saturday on Sunday, so they knew that they were in the semi-finals. It did change things massively. I think Dan McFarland yeah. said he wished Glasgow had won. It might have given them that impetus to go on. But I think even so, like we're, we're, we can talk about how good Connacht were, but like Connacht hit the ground running, looked really sharp, looked like they're a team that it's a pity they've only got two games uh, this year, and still Ulster, who didn't play well, could have beat them. 
So it's probably not all doom and gloom, but suddenly you have to go to Leinster and find a little bit of form with different players because a semi-final comes up very, very quickly and you don't have much rugby or much form behind you. No. Um, uh, yeah, like the, the worrying thing um, for Ulster was like I thought they were probably 12 to 15 points, um, you know, beaten by Connacht on another day. Um, sure. Like their, their set piece was shocking. Like it was really poor. Um, any of their lineouts that they actually won was were scrappy. You know, their overthrows that were regathered yeah. or underthrows that were regathered, and they just couldn't get a foothold. Um, the likes of Stuart McCluskey, yes, he made a couple of half breaks. He got a couple of offloads away that set up opportunities. But um, I wasn't sitting at the side of the pitch on Sunday, Mick, saying, geez, I really fancy Ulster here to, to make a line break off this first phase possession. It just mm. felt like everything was so scrappy. And maybe that's just rusty, you know, a bit of ring rust and um, more confidence, I think. You know, when Bundyaki stands shouting in the middle of the field, your hooker can't throw, your hooker can't hit a barn door. Like, you know, it is it is going to um, un- unsettle you ever so slightly. Uh, but that's what big games and that's all the sledging that happens. you got to take it and you you, you got to use it to your advantage. And um, I think some of the young guys that were brought in struggled ever so slightly um, and didn't really step up to the plate. So I expect Rob Herring to come back in. It'll be interesting to see if Carter starts the next game. I, he, he come on and like I'm just I'm just not a hundred percent sold. Like I'm not. Um, you know, you you look at Snyman and then you look at Carter there, and and you know the physicality of of, of both those two guys. Um, I, I could be completely wrong. I suppose I didn't I didn't see enough of Carter last year. I know he went off injured with that shoulder injury against Bath, the European Cup, and we didn't see him the rest of, until until now and the end of the season. But I just think there needs to be more physicality. Like, there has to be more physicality. Connacht beat the crap out of them. Like, and that's one thing I would be bringing up in a review session. When was the last time a Connacht team actually gave Ulster a bit of a beating? Like, it's been a long time. 25 games, Ulster won 19 of them. Like, in Connacht 4 or 5, and there was a draw in there. So, like, I'm not going to say it was embarrassing. It wasn't embarrassing because they did have a chance to win. But it wouldn't sit well with me into uh, another week off the back of getting a bit of a beating by, by yeah. Munster. Like, Marcel Coutier w- was fantastic as always. Every time he touched the ball, he gave the team momentum. And there was two or three times where he went round the corner, smacked it up, took two or three lads with him, three or four yards. And then the next pass and the next one, it hit Treadwell and he knocks it on. And then he hits somebody else and he knocks it on. And I could just tell, like, Marcel was like, lads, I am trying my best here to give us a bit of go forward and we just ke- keep messing it up in two or three phases later. And that's kind of summed up the game. There was yeah. just too many mistakes, too many mistakes. Um, the line out didn't function well. The physicality wasn't there. Um, when you combine all those three, Mick, um, you're probably going to be on the losing end. And another interesting stat is that every time Ulster have been losing at half time this season, they've lost the match. So going in at halftime, losing the match, um, there was this feeling that you know they were going to struggle to get back into it because Ulster score a lot of points in the first twenty minutes of of their matches. I think it's fourteen tries uh, this season in, in the in the first quarter of games. So uh, that was definitely a ploy from Connacht get stuck into them early, um, lay down a marker, uh, and take it from there. Yeah, I thought it was telling actually in the last five minutes when you would expect the. Uh... 
the you know the more established team to kind of go out and grab the thing that it was Connacht that went down and scored the kind of ceiling yeah. try um, that won that, that that won the game in the end. Just lastly on Ulster, um, you know it wasn't the greatest game uh, in the world to try it. It's not the first time, but from an Ireland point of view, I suppose we're looking at James Lowe coming in and Jacob Stockdale being picked at fifteen. Is that something that you see as a as a long term project? Uh, personally, no, I don't. Okay. Um, I, I like Jacob Stockfield scores bundles of tries. Um, he's a great finisher. Um, and his best position is on the wing. Like I know he played Irish under twenties at fullback, but uh, I think it's just because he was four, four or five inches taller than everybody like back then. Um, I, I thought at the weekend he, he was okay. He didn't make that many mistakes. He was okay under the high ball. But again, the stats don't lie. 65% um, tackling success rate in the Pro 14 this season. It's just not good enough. Um, and you're going to get caught out in international rugby. I think James Lowe, we all know what he's capable of. And generally, he does produce it in the huge games. You know, when you mm. when you see it in the, in the big games, he does produce his best rugby. But I thought it was a brilliant little story to, to finish off the match um, when Andrew Conway stepped him in the inside and scored. As Conway scored two tries, he looked very good. He's always very busy, mm. um, and I uh, I don't think James Lowe is going to leapfrog Andrew Conway anytime soon. Um, and that's just my own opinion on it. But yeah, yeah. Stockdale at fifteen, I think they tried it a few times before lockdown. Like he's grand, he's got a good left foot, he, he's rock solid. But like Louis Ludic has played more game time at fifteen than Stockdale has. But yet, Louis Ludic was on the wing and Stockdale was at 15. So, I think there maybe has been something mixed from the RFU to say, look, give Jacob a okay. bit of time at 15 just to see how he gets on. Because what's what's the other reason behind it? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is it trying to be too smart or whatever? But coming from the RFU is definitely, definitely an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I suppose you've got Keith Earls thrown into the mix there and suddenly you've got four wingers that are probably international standard that are all going to be looking for t- the same two positions. Um Back to Connacht then just briefly before we finish up because they can actually scupper Munster's chances this week and I think they're going to make a lot of changes but from like they just seem like a team that again it's almost a pity that they've only got the two games that's just the way it works yeah. uh, but you know it's not too long until next season but that they look like a team that were putting it together a little bit like Andy Friend's been there now had time to kind of establish himself they've a lot of good players on that team I think we forget that sometimes and they've got that little bit of strength and depth now as well you know like even someone like Caelan Blade wasn't even playing this week you know and, mm-hmm. and, and you don't miss him but do they look like a team to you that could put together a, a you know, not not quite maybe their 2016 run again. That might be unrealistic, but that can compete week in week out and maybe kind of you know break the the top three and you know in in the Irish rankings in the Pro 14 next season. Yeah, I think their front five really needs to. Uh, well, that's where the games are won and lost, and the big games, like when you're talking about getting to where they were a couple of years ago. I, I think their front five needs to improve. Um, you know, that's just again a personal opinion. You look at somebody like Exeter, Saracens, you know, Leinster. Their front five are giving teams a bit of hidings week in week out. And Connacht certainly have the ability, the physicality. You can never question what they bring to bring to a match. And at the weekend there, I was actually blown away by some of the hits and the enthusiasm that they showed to get off the line. They closed Ulster down, give them no space. <clears throat> but it was also in their attack. Like There was a bit more of the Pat Lamb where um, the old rugby league, you know, two men up, up, up top, 
you can hit either man, the option out the back, another option out the back. And they seem, always seem to have options in attack. And when they got quick ball, um, they, they certainly caused Ulster trouble, especially in those wide channels. So, yeah, I, I like the look of what they brought to the table. Um, it was brilliant to see Jack Hardy uh, find a little bit of form. I thought he looked um, very comfortable with, uh, with ball in hand and distributing it across the back line. Bundyaki was just in a world of his own. He was just loving life, uh, running around, um, giving shouting lads abuse. <laughs> yeah, shouting, shouting the lads and um, Ging his own team up. Um, and obviously the fullback Porch, he got man of the match. So yeah, I think they looked dangerous. Wooden as well, coming up from Munster. Um, he looked sharp on the wing. And yeah, like like the, the, they will give Munster a serious game this weekend and. Uh, yeah, they're going to make a raft of changes. I was chatting to Paddy McAllister, who looks like he's going to probably be starting this weekend. That they kind of went with two fifteens. So it'd be interesting, Mick, if those two fifteens have actually been trained against each other the last couple of weeks in yeah. training. Some some full contact sessions with the two fifteens, and then one's playing this week, one's playing next week, um, and it's a bit of a shop window for Andy Friend to say, right, yeah, um, this this guy's you know up for it, this guy isn't. Um, so yeah no, I'll be interested to see how they go yeah and I suppose if they do put in a similar performance with a completely different team then suddenly you start looking at what the coach is doing there and yeah. you know it's it's a lot more than just the talent that they have on the pitch but looking forward to it anyway actually the, the two games which they might not seem like as much at stake but at stake as last week but it's kind of leading into the business end of the shortened season and it should be interesting but it's great to have it back anyway um, and it definitely kind of dawned on me halfway through the Ulster Connacht match God this is great this is uh, this is something else I can look forward to every weekend now for the rest of uh, yeah. for the rest of the month or two anyway thanks a million Stevie no worries cheers Mick great stuff there from Stephen he, uh, he is rightly upset at that Ulster performance last weekend it's a worrying thing for them because like alright they're through now to the semi-finals already um, and this weekend you know they they could rest some players or whatever against Leinster. But then you're looking at, if they lose that semi-final, that'll be three losses since they come back. Going into Europe is not the ideal preparation. Yeah, if they lose this weekend and then the semi-final, it's not, yeah. it's not, yeah, they've won week off then and suddenly you've got this big quarter-final and you've no form. That's what we were talking about. You know, like with Stephen, it's like, there's, there's a mix between, fair enough, the worst thing that could have happened to them in some ways was... Glasgow not winning at the weekend and then them knowing that they were already true because you can't just find your form and suddenly now you're going to Dublin, you're going to make some change, well, they're already in Dublin, but you know what I mean? Technically they're going to play Leinster. Yeah. They're, uh, you know, they have to make, um, they're going to make some changes, give people game time. But like Leinster are going to try and keep this unbeaten record, this 100% record, make some history. They've got more to play for than Ulster. So suddenly the two weeks in a row where you outfought, outplayed, how does that manifest itself when you go to Edinburgh then the following week for an actual semi-final? You know, so it's like, the, and then, you know, maybe they find their form that week and they beat Edinburgh and they go and these ga- these weeks feel irrelevant very quickly if they're suddenly playing a Pro 14 final than the European quarterfinal. But it would just worry me. They were they were poor enough, like, you know. Yeah, um, times definitely. Outfought, <laughs> as, as, as Stephen said, by Connacht is not something that happens to them all the time. Bundiaki, yeah. by the way, in that match, Stevie mentioned it a good few times, but like he's the best thing. Sorry, the, the be- there being no crowds is the best 
Bundyaki's the best consequence of that. If that, I'm not finding my words here, Mark. But listening to Bundyaki during a rugby match when you can't hear anything else is bloody hilarious. He is just—he's 100% needle. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I would keep my ears peeled for him this weekend yeah, again. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah, Munster have to win that game as well. People should remember that, like you know, that it's not a guarantee me, that Munster yeah. are going to play Leinster the following week. The Scarlets can catch Munster. A bonus point could be enough for them to defeat, but they really just need to go and win and make sure of it. Like. Yeah, that Munster Connacht game is on Sunday at three o'clock. While Ulster against Leinster is on at seven thirty-five on Saturday. But moving on, Mick, it is time to play one, two, three. Your chance to win a hundred euro cash by correctly predicting the score of three of this weekend's football matches on labbrooks.com. The game is free to play. If you get one score right, you get a euro free bet. If you get two, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win one hundred euro cash. Mick, I got none last week, but I was very close with all of them, and I was very frustrated. I mm-hmm. went for one nil to Celtic. Oh, sorry, I went for three one to Celtic in Dundee against Dundee United. It ended up one nil. Had the result right, but. I'm not going to give myself any credit for that one, really. But I went for one all between Monaco and Ream, and it was two all. And then I went for two one for uh, for Hibs against St Johnson, and it was one nil Hibs. Both yeah. of those I had the result, I had the draw, I had one goal with a margin. I just didn't get the scores right, which means I ended up with zilch, nada, not a thing. I came a little bit closer to you, Mark. I also got all three results right. I got the wins and the draws and everything right, and I did get my one euro free bet because. Hibs won 1-0 and they did the job for me. So they rescued a bad week. But uh, yeah, no, I also had one all in the in, in the in the French game. But you know, these things happen. One Celtic Celtic screwed me in two ways, I suppose, last week. And I'm not that I'm not happy about it. So, you know, maybe maybe revenge will come this week. Against Look, lucky for them, yeah. Mark, because I'd be bloody picking against them. Uh, I'll tap at them with a big shout in a second, but uh, Arsenal against Liverpool is the first game up in 1-2-3. Uh, it's on Saturday at half four. The Community Shield, the new season is upon us already. Saturday at half see this four. Going? Uh, weird time for it. Okay, so I've already done, we do a video for this, the 1-2-3, and we pick one game each, and I've I landed on Arsenal-Liverpool, and I've already committed to this. I just, I, I don't know if I'm being an idiot or not, but I think Arsenal are going to win this game 2-1. Oh, I think say- I think there's a there's a momentum there from Arsenal from the FA Cup final from the Man City semi final. I think there's a Wembley factor that they've played there twice in the last like couple of months. There's no real gap between the seasons, and I think that Arsenal will want to lay down a marker, whereas Liverpool rightly won't give a shit. You know, I'm sure they want that. It's a big preseason bet, but even even the fact that there's another week, there's the international break before the Premier League starts, gives even less incentive, I think, to Liverpool, who are just going to look to try and start things. You know, in uh, in, in when they play Leeds in a couple of weeks, that's their big game. Like it's the same for Arsenal. Don't get me wrong; they don't think this is the be all and end all, but they have a point to prove, whereas Liverpool yeah. don't. So I think they might do it. Uh, I my, for some reason my gut said two all, and then I thought come up, come up on the markets Liverpool are going to beat Arsenal. So then I went two one. But now that you kind of argued the Arsenal thing, I think I might go back to my gut and say yeah, two but Mark, all. I'm never right about anything. So don't yeah, worry you know, you know when you don't go with your first instinct, and then you're like, you're like, oh, I thought two all, and it's like I'm going to go back to that and let let me be wrong with that one. Uh, if it is not too well, but uh, Hamilton against Rangers then up next. It's on a half five on Saturday in the Scottish Pre- Scottish Premiership. Uh, Rangers four nil. I'm going to say here. Wow. Okay, I'm going to go for three now. Three nil. There we go. And then the last game up is on Sunday. Uh, 
It says Sunday, nine o'clock. Uh, not sure if that's right. Uh, Hibernian against Aberdeen. Uh, in the evening. Like, rather, I don't think it's on that time. time. Not the morning time. I don't think it's on at nine o'clock anytime, to be honest. I could be wrong. Maybe it is on at nine o'clock on Sunday night. It'd be an interesting time for a game in Edinburgh. Uh, it's on at half four. Okay. It'd be a bit mean for poor old Aberdeen having to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there's no fans, though. You can have games on whenever what, they want now. What are you going for this? I'm going to stick with the, the tried and trusted. It's going to be tougher than it has been in previous weeks. But I like Hibs 1, Aberdeen 0. Hibs 1, Aberdeen 0. Will, Hibs. would you believe it? No. I'm going to go for... like Aberdeen have been good since they came back from, they their, have, yeah. uh, so from Hibs, their mini so. break. And Hibs have had a very good start to the season. So I obviously... I had done this for the one 2 free video as well. Uh, and I'm going to stick with my prediction there, which was a one-all draw between them. So I'm going for one-all. You're going for one-nil Hibs. That is a tough game to call. It's a really hard game to call. Um, Two good teams. Interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, but that is it. Whatever you want yourself, get on to Labricks.com right now. You can play one, two, three. Like I mentioned, if you get one right, you get a euro free bet. If you get two, you get a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win 100 euro cash. Up next, it's time for a big shout. All right, hold it. Just hold it, Alan. Push him out. Steady. David, don't. Get round. No, don't. Bloody. Mark. The Community Shield is on this again. What the hell is going on? Like, I know we talked about it there already, and I know we talked about it at the top of the show, but I'm scratching my head here. The Champions League final was on Sunday, and the following Saturday, the Community Shield is on. It doesn't make any sense. It's never ending. I also can't believe, speaking of things in the intro, I can't believe I forgot that Marcelo Bielsa won a gold medal with Argentina as manager at the Olympic Games in 2004. I mean, that was a fact. I knew off the top of my head, people, it's the, it was our first gold medal in over 50 years. He's revered for it. I know we didn't do brilliantly at the World Cup, like you mentioned, but that's it was fair. No, because I, 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 I will say that big deal, you won the Olympics. But considering my premise was that he ruined Argentinian football for a generation, I think that's pretty much disproven there. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> he ruined football for a generation. No, I he said it off the top of my head just to annoy you, but at the same time, I'll admit what anyway, I'm wrong. You mentioned the Community Shield. Whatever way, we talked about whether it be 2-all, two 2-1 two Liverpool, 2-1 Arsenal, whatever it is. I think both teams are going to score, and that is what I am opening up my big shout this week, Mick. That is what is going straight into it as my first shout. Uh, yeah. This is, of course, the big shout where you can win yourself two cakes and a sports biography by sending us a prediction that is 25 to 1 or greater for the sporting weekend. Send them to the gaffer at balls.e. Put the big shout in the, in the subject line. I was going to say the tagline, the subject line. And if it comes off, you'll win yourself that coveted prize, those two cakes and a sports biography of your choosing, provided yeah. we already have it in the office. Two winners already, two winners in the last year that we've been doing this. It's not the greatest strike rate, but we have had winners. And look, Pete, the winners will be able to tell you, these aren't any old cakes. These are like full-on, like two, three-tier cakes from Thunder's Bakery. Yeah. You know. like, there's no one going to come out of the cakes now, Ranathan. Like, you know, but that... They're, <laughs> no. they're, we don't have just, we don't have a stripper in the cake. That's not. It's an actual food cake. Or there's no jumpers that. in them. There are no cake jumpers. If you do request that, though, we might be able to provide it or a cake biography with the biography in the cake. But anyway, I'm going to request a cake biography. Should I win this week? That is my pledge. Two sports uh, anyway. and a cake biography. Yeah, two sports. As I mentioned, first up for me this week, I'm the one in charge this week of doing. We're doing one of uh, our. Myself and Mick, we always do one every week. And Mick, we have not ever won it yet. But this is the week it's going to happen. <laughs> so close last week. 
Arsenal v Liverpool on Saturday. Yes, the both teams Shield. to score. I mean, both teams to score five to three on on Ladbrokes.com. Then Hibs against Aberdeen. As I mentioned, what a really tough game to call. I don't know if you're going to like this shout for me. Both teams to score in it oh. as well because I think it's going to be one all. At oh, five I to don't four like on. that, Mark. Hibs the have one won I was, one nil nearly every week, and I think the, the week they didn't, they drew nil all. Yeah, that's I'm I'm worried about that one. Uh, I almost I almost was going to back the draw there, and then I went I I don't know about that. I'd go with both teams to score okay. instead. Okay. But I'd, it was really tough this week to get to come up with my big shout. I was struggling. I had Celtic half time, full time. I actually think that might actually still come off. Hold on a minute now. Could be another change. <laughs> Mark change here. Big shouts on the fly is a is a, a regular thing, listener. If you're only just uh, joining us, yeah, this always happens. Where he's a happens? commitment he start- phobe. He is he's, he's, enga- he's engaged to be married, but somehow I would still call him a commitment phobe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like start building it, and then you're like, oh, that'll not get me to twenty five to one. Oh, this will not get me twenty five to one, and then you take out certain things, and then you realise, oh wait a minute, what if I did this, that, and the other? So, because my big shout was coming in at well over, so let me see if I can change things up here on the fly, as we mentioned. Uh, if I take that out and add this in, oh, change. I've oh, taken out Hibs against Aberdeen, right? Every I'm time sorry. this happens, you blame me for the results. Uh, yes, like last week with PSG. Uh, but I'm changing that. I've taken it out. So Liverpool against Arsenal, both teams to score. I am now going for Celtic halftime, Celtic full-time against Motherwell at 7-4 to four on. Yeah. Does that sound better to you, Mick? It does, yeah. Perfect. They need to get their arse in gear, but like they still should, they should do that, yeah. Yep. And then exactly. the Belgian Grand Prix, this is the one that I'm worried about. This is the... <sighs> Spa Franklin Spa Franklin one of my favourite Grand Prix the season. To Max play Verstappen. On the yeah, exactly. That's yeah, all. Completely yeah. <laughs> 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 that. It's another to do it real life. It's a great one, though. <laughs> oh, it's really good. Max Verstappen to win the Belgian Grand Prix. There you oh, go. Oh, wow. Three to one. He's been, he's been there, thereabouts over the last few races, albeit, you know, yeah. he finished 25 seconds behind uh, in the last of the Spanish Grand Prix, but he was going mad, thought that he had enough. Uh, if he got in another stop uh, with fresh tires to giving out shit Hamilton. to his team on the radio, yeah, exactly. it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously he won the one of the Silverstone races while Hamilton won the other one. So <laughs> he's three to one the win this weekend. Like, look, Hamilton could go out and win this. Um, obviously, he's a favourite and rightly for a reason. But I was just trying to find something that would keep things interesting, and I think it's a better shout than my previous shouts of the likes in Lando Norris to get a podium. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in regard to Formula One. Do you know what? I've been watching more Formula One this year than I have in many, many years. Now, I'd still say I'm far from like watching it in the way I used to or being anywhere close to expert level. But it does seem like Red Bull, they might not be as good as Mercedes, but they seem to have a few things up their sleeve this year. That yeah. one stopper in Silverstone for the 70th anniversary really worked, like completely fooled them. And they seem to get them another couple of times where they got a little bit closer than people would expect. And I also saw a few people say, a few people that know more than me, that hot weather is not something that suits the the Mercedes. And obviously, yeah. we're still in kind of summer. We don't know what it's going to be like, but you know, it's still it's Belgium in still technically August. I would imagine is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, it could also. Be you know it's bad, so it could be absolutely bucketing down rain there. But <laughs> the Jordan, the, the one of the most famous spa races of all time. If we're going to yeah. reminisce on the Jordan one two in uh, Damon exactly. Hill and Ralph Schumacher, another reason, another reason to love it. Uh, but yeah, look, I mean, like I said. All things being equal, Hamilton will probably win this, but it will keep things interesting. And Verstappen, as you mentioned, it's not just, I think, Red Bull. It's just that Verstappen as well is so good that he is going yeah. to be uh, chasing down. He needs to win this to keep the, keep the, um, 
the I was going to say the tournament, the season alive, really. Uh, and then champion. The, 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 the last one, Rory McIlroy to finish yes. in the top 10 in the BMW Championship. The BMW Championship, Mick, I remember back at the start of the build-up a year ago, we were really excited about it. We were getting hyped for it. I'm hyped for it even more so this it's year. Given, up, isn't it? Um, yep. Yeah, so look, I, I like that. I, I, I spoke to you separately about Rory earlier on. Uh, didn't know it was in your big shout, but he's so Judas. Like, so top 10 is even giving you a little bit of leeway. It's allowing him to have one bad round even, but yeah. he's so Jewish. Like, I mean, it's, it's getting ridiculous at this stage and he has to find that form. Why not this Yeah, weekend? exactly. It's not one of those where you're like, do you know, you look at somebody that you may not be thinking about or like, I was talking at Tony Finau or people like this, where it's kind of like you're looking at form, you're looking at the course, look or whatever. You're just kind of going on this with this is Rory McIlroy, and yeah. he is as you mentioned. It's just he's too good to not be um, recapturing form and getting into a top ten. He's fifteen to eight on Labrooks to get into the top ten, which overall brings my big shout to twenty seven point nine one to one, so twenty eight to one basically. And I okay. think I really it's only four breaths, Mick. I'm I'm kind of excited about this one. It's four, uh, three different sports so as well. Both teams to score in the Community Shield. It's Celtic to be leading at halftime and full time. It's Rory to finish in the top ten and Max Verstappen to win the Belgian yeah, Grand Prix. The Belgian Grand Prix, which is the dangerous one. Oh my god, it's so dangerous! Like it's, but uh, I like it. I it's like exciting, it. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, look, it's always exciting on a Wednesday, Mark. Yeah, definitely. Then talk, goes to, to, talk to goes me on to Saturday, night. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> when Verstappen anyway. didn't qualify because he finished last on the grid. <laughs> he gets a twenty-second pit penalty. Uh, anyway, uh, if you send us your big shout, all you have to do—you don't even put the bet on. Just take a screenshot and send us the odds uh, to the gaffer at Bosley and put the big shout in the email subject line and you will win yourself two cakes and a sports biography should it come off if you are having a bet on any of the sport this weekend be sure to gamble responsibly you can visit dunlewy.net for more information but up next we chat to PJ Brown ahead of this weekend's GA club action PJ Brown joins us on the line now to chat GA PJ how are you doing? Good Mark it's a weird day I'm wearing jeans I can't, You're wearing I can't jeans? Remember. I'm wearing jeans I know I can't, I can't remember the last time I wore jeans but I, I am wearing jeans today. There I you put go. jeans on a while ago. Um, I don't mean like a while ago this morning. I mean a few like weeks ago. And I tell you, I, I, I couldn't wait to get them back off again. Uh, <laughs> it was an uncomfortable feeling. How are you getting on with them? Uh, it, it's strange. My legs are, are quite restricted. Um, I feel like tomorrow I won't be making this mistake and I will be going back to the freedom provided by shorts. Good stuff. Oh, you're not even just going back to tracksuit bottoms. It's shorts. Oh, shorts. Shorts all the way. Who wears tracksuit bottoms? I'm wearing, one, I'm wearing a pair right now. What if, it, if it's a bit cold, a bit chilly, too cold for shorts? Mick, what sort of pant are you wearing? I'm wearing shorts, Mark. I'm wearing a, yeah. As I have, I think, every single day of the lockdown, bar maybe one or two days where jeans were an unfortunate necessity. Um, but again, like yourself, they come off as soon as I was back into the house. They, I wasn't through the hallway by the time they were peeled <laughs> off, you know? <laughs> which was unfortunate because the in-laws were over one of those times yeah jeans are a long lost art on the sideline of GA matches mm. I feel I mean like you don't get that anymore you know every manager's in a pair of tracksuit bottoms or a pair of shorts uh, but okay, did you spot any jeans over the weekend at GA games I, didn't, I, don't, I can't remember any I, I can't say I have no no I can't say no, I it's do. all gone to hell you see the GA uh 
you know, it, you can't wear managers don't wear jeans and stuff anymore. They've gone to like official tracksuits, even at the lowest level of club. All the while, football has taken the professional the soccer has taken the complete opposite effect. You've got the Barcelona guy, like a sixty-year-old man, going around in ripped jeans on the sideline with yeah, brand new way too white runners. The days of Mick O'Dwyer managing Kerry, and he'd show up on the sideline in a suit. So it's kind of they've gone completely in opposite directions. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> I, I can't remember the the last time I saw a manager in a suit. I mean, I actually was watching during during the lockdown. What during one of the many uh, old games that they showed on TG Car? I think it was a was a mid like a mid nineties Connacht final between Galway and Mayo, where the the with the doctor came onto the pitch in a suit, like a full like beige suit, like uh, proper like brown shoes and everything. <laughs> We need to bring that back. Let's get back to those days, especially now that like all these games. I'm looking through the fixtures for the weekend that uh, the GA sent out, and it would look like nearly almost every game in the country is going to be on television or streamed some way. So, like the eyes of the world could be on you here now. So you need to up your fashion game on the sidelines. Any of the management teams or doctors or physios that are listening, uh, there's so much happening. But PJ, tell us about your previous seven days. What has been your favourite standout from the previous weekend's action? Uh, well, the game of the weekend, maybe the game of the summer so far, Mark. Uh, I think it was Austin Stacks and Dr. Crooks on Friday night. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, live on TG Gar. Extra time thriller. I was, what, the nine, five, five, 37 between the two sides. A game which I wouldn't say had absolutely everything, but nearly everything, you know, nearly ticked all the boxes. There was like two penalties, a bit of needle between Kieran Donaghy and uh, former Kerry teammate Fionn Fitzgerald. There was a controversial red card, extra time. Um, Stacks three, five points three down, three minutes into injury time, and somehow get the oh. draw. Uh, like the game looks like it was, it looked, the, the drama there at the end, at the end of uh, normal time was incredible because it was about what, the 54 minute, 54 minutes. Uh, and Crokes, Crokes got, got that goal like Tony Broston uh, catching the ball over his head it, it, actually it looked like it was a moment where um, where Crokes were kind of eating up the clock and Shane Murphy launches this ball down to Tony Murphy catches it over Paul Sullivan uh, lays it off the kind of like the real kind of unselfishness of Crokes players like seeing uh, Brian Looney run off his shoulder and just like taps it in Brian Looney who like looked like he really really hurt his shoulder in that moment, uh, had to go off injured, and in, ends up he, he comes back on in extra time and ends up scoring some like important points for Crokes. It like it was an incredible game because it, the, the football was so good as well. It was like the yeah. football was it was really attacking football. It was a uh, like what you want like for Friday night entertainment if you're watching yeah, the it, football it, game. Definitely, that Tony Brosnan catch, I mean, we should really look into him being the first uh, Irish man on the moon and we don't even need to invest in a rocket or anything because he was, it was an outrageous, uh, outrageous bit of fielding. And then even the goal, the Stacks goal at the end, like Donaghy, albeit it was a scrappy goal or whatever, but there was, it was great presence of mind at Donaghy. I don't think it was just by accident that he literally, pla- like, he planted his feet right on the line just outside the small square so that it wasn't a square ball. I think that was just great positional awareness. And dare I say, the old cliche, bring it back in. That was great. That was a sign of a basketball player, you know, that kind of positional awareness yeah. that he had. <laughs> he, he was aware of where the three-point line was. Yeah. We he, really he, he, just he, to get he was that aware in. of not being in the key. In the key, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's another thing to say about that match though as well in that how aesthetically pleasing it was. That an amazing colour matchup. I've never actually been a fan of of the Croaks colours. I don't, I always think it's, 
I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. But that away jersey is gorgeous. That was, and it obviously goes really well with the stacked colors, which are the same colors, you know. But that was a beautiful, beautiful um, jersey that Crokes were wearing. Like if I wasn't, if I didn't have any, if I had, if I had Clarny relatives now, I'm actually going down to Clarny in a couple of weeks. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll look for one in one of the one of the many sports stores on the main street. <laughs> it's funny when you said another thing from that game, I knew straight away you were going to talk about the jerseys. It was just, and we have we literally haven't discussed this at all. It was just, no. that, it was the next thing on the tip of my tongue. Uh, anything else in the weekend for me? I think uh, seeing Gary Brennan in full flight uh, on RT at the weekend for Ballyhea that was, uh, it yeah. was like, Jesus, Gary Brennan hurling God, um, which was Do you know brilliant. My- my sister was over and she goes to a lot of the Clare games with me and all. And I was just like, lads, I'm just going to watch the, the like 20 minutes of this, uh, this Ballier Kilmele game. Cause I just, it, I haven't seen Tony Kelly hurl now since like March or something and it, or since February. And I'm getting the shakes. I need to, I need to get my fix. And it's funny. I was, and look, I obviously really enjoy watching Tony Kelly and you're always wishing he was on more of the ball and so on and so forth. But like, yeah, like, Brennan always always has even when they went to that run to the Munster final a few years ago always sticks out whenever you watch a Ballier game he's like he's he's one of those lads that he's such a good athlete mixed with being a good hurler as well you know well, we were talking I suppose earlier Mark about whether he was he would have been good enough to get on the on the Clare Hurling team like you know obviously he was a supreme footballer which he probably isn't as a hurler but um, I think as, as a, such a good athlete alone and being able to hurl I think he would have made it onto the onto the, the panel at least, you know? Yeah. But uh, really, really good. Yeah, they, well, a couple of other things to mention from Kerry. There was a, there was a couple of ma- kind of major upsets um, in Temple No beating Dingle, in Dingle, to win. The, the, in the, the game, this game was their first ever senior football championship game and they won it. They beat Dingle. Uh, a really good game too. It was uh, <laughs> streamed live as well. It was uh, the examiner started streaming games now from Kerry. So that was a, uh, in some horrid conditions where you saw the, uh, you know, you saw a lot of the cloth on the, uh, the, the towel on the, <laughs> on the camera. Uh, yeah. Temple Low won great scenes afterwards as well. Like it, it was, it was one of those moments where I, I don't know, you genuinely felt it, it would have been good to have, uh, to have like fans there. Um, yeah, I'd say yeah. I think actually probably the Dingle fans didn't mind not being there. <laughs> being knocked out um, by Little in the first, in the first round. And two questions. Sorry, go ahead, Mark. Go, go on ahead, PJ. Uh, the, the other upset, like in, in Kerry as well, was um, St. Kieran's. Uh, beat, kind of, this is in a battle of divisional teams. St. Kieran's beating uh, South Kerry. Like, South Kerry was like the traditional, probably the most, the, the best uh, divisional side from like the last decade. Uh, knocked out by St. Kieran's, which is the you know, amalgamation of uh, like Castle Island Desmond's and Brosna, Cordell, Ballymac. Uh, yeah, they, they look like a really, really kind of well-drilled side, and they, they've got um, you know, remember Paul Walsh, Kerry Minor from a few years back. Oh, yeah. He's kind of he's kind of like uh, the bushy red hair kind of yeah, really that, look yeah. about him. He's turning into a fantastic player. He, he looks like he's he's developed like physically like really, really well. Um, be exciting to see see what he um what he does in the future because that actually does the, the, the strength like Kerry Carter finds around this weekend. And exactly. That's, that's what, what 
That was going to be my question for you. I was going to say the two things was like two things I was going to ask you were uh, one: how many hours did you put in spend over the weekend streaming games or watching the streaming and watching the TV? And two, this weekend you've got St. Cairns up against East Kerry, which is their reward for the big win at the mm. weekend, and Temple Nose reward is a quarter final against Doctor Crooks, and you give either of them a chance? Uh, no, no, uh, I, I I don't think so. I, I think that, that that'll be that'll be it for for both of them. Like. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, Crokes already beat Temple No. They beat him in the in the Senior Club Championship a few weeks back, being pretty handily. Uh, Temple No were missing one of their most important players in Tyke Morley that night. And, like, I'm sure they'll have taken a lot of confidence from beating Dingle, but, you know, I can't see him, like, beating Crokes. I think, like, Crokes might have a couple of players back as well because uh, Miguel Burns was sent off. He was sent off, actually. He was recarded in, like, against late in the game against Dax. It shouldn't have been a red card. Um, so I wonder if they'll appeal that. They might have been back. Gavin White was out injured and David Shaw was out injured for Crooks as well. So they might have those back. I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I, I think Crooks will beat them below. East Kerry, they, they absolutely hammered uh, Field Rangers uh, over the weekend. There was Field Rangers only scored three points in, in the stall. Um, so yeah, they're, they're just they're so much. They're, they were really good last year. They're even stronger this year. They, like, Best game of the, the best close game of the weekend in Kerry will be uh, Legion and Brendan. Legion and the same Brendan's board game. So Legion, uh, James O'Donoghue's team, uh, John Lyons' team, who beat Kearns O'Reilly's live on RT at the weekend. Uh, and Brendan's are division side of kind of teams around around the Chile area, and they would have it. They'd be they're pretty strong. Like they might actually be favourites for this game. They'll have like like Jack Barry and Gamer O'Connor, which is could be the like the Kerry midfield this year, yeah. a Kerry midfield of the future. So that'll be a really interesting game. And the other, like, the other game is going to be very close as well. Need Kerry and Kemmer Shamrock because Kemmer might be missing Sean O'Shea. I think he went, he went Sean O'Shea, sorry, not Sean O'Shea. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, Sean O'Shea, O'Shea. Sean O'Shea went off, went off injured at the weekend. So it'll be interesting that, that that'll be a good game as well. Need Kerry and Kemmer. Mick, this against TV fixtures, what have you got? I think um, PJ's love affair with Warford Senior Hurling Championship will be coming to an end because you've got uh, Mally Gunner <laughs> against Passage and TG Cahar on two, at two o'clock on Sunday. But what else is coming That's up? That's one of the games, yeah. And just, I just want to give you one more quick highlight, actually, and then I'll get to these. Was uh, I was watching the Wexford Hurling final, but I kind of turned off with about 15, 20 minutes to go. I had to go and do something. But the game looked over. And then I came back in and I saw all the players standing around the pitch. And I was like, what's going on here? Has this gone to extra time? And then I realized, no, that it was just that uh, Chameleers were getting the cup. And I was just so confused because everywhere it's, it should only be like quarterfinal time. I couldn't get my head around that it was actually a county final and that there was something kind of on there. But uh, anyway, that was actually a good game and, and, that and game, was, yeah. was well worth a watch. Like, yeah. It kept looking like it was going to catch fire and then... They exactly, just, yeah. They just kept doing enough to keep them at arms then. Exactly, but, yeah. Um, they looked like they were giving it up a couple of times and then they just got goal at the right time. Like Naviana really shot themselves in the foot later on. They got back within three points and laid a horrible goal. There was like a mix-up in the fence. And yeah. I think that, that, that put um, Shamir's back up by... by Six, it was so. over then, yeah. Because yeah. had just scored a goal, and it was to be honest, the goalkeeper just didn't come for a long ball that dropped down. And he should have come out quicker, but anyway, it could have been interesting. But look, there's 
we move on. Wexford, Wexford moving on to their football championship now. <laughs> All these lads back out again this week. Uh, but uh, that, none of that will be on telly. On Friday night, um, this Friday night game on TG Carr has been a great way of actually kicking off the weekend. As Mark was talking about earlier, there's always like an absolute load of sport on at the moment, you know, massive sport. But it's the GA games that kind of keep, you know, as PJ mentioned earlier, that's the one that's kind of catching the eye. Uh, the Tyrone Senior Football Championship quarterfinal will have a lot to do to live up to that Kerry game um, between Stacks and Croaks. It's Trillick versus Killy Clogher uh, at half seven. Um, as you were saying earlier, Mark, there's, uh, that's um, Tierney McCann versus Matty Donnelly. Yeah, Matty Donnelly's Trillick against Tierney McCann's uh, Killy Clogher. So that's yeah. the, the, Donnelly, the Donnelly McCann derby. There we go. That's on at half seven, the quarter, Tyrone quarterfinal on Friday. On the Saturday then, there's a double bill from the Mayo quarterfinals on RTE uh, on at half five. Uh, the bloody half five throw-in is always catching me out. I keep seeing the second half of the, of the, of the <laughs> first games on RTE. It just feels very early. Um, but it's Ballantubber, the, the Mayo champions, uh, against Knockmore. And then a really interesting one between Balladrine and uh, Breffy at half seven. Um, again, both of those games are on RT2. And then on Sunday, we've got the Waterford Senior Championship final, as you mentioned all right, already, Bally Gunner and Passage on at 2 o'clock. PJ going to, like, it's like watching, you know, any final, really. You look forward to it all week, you can't wait for it, but there's always a tinge of sadness as well that it just won't be in your life anymore afterwards. But, you know, uh, PJ, maybe you can follow Bally Gunner through the Munster Championship whenever that happens. And then, and then, the Monaghan Senior Football Championship, which I can't believe, that's the third coverage of uh, Carver Cross Emmets and Mahara Clune at 3.45. The game's on at 2.45. That's on TG Carter. And I can't believe, Mark, that we've got to this stage of the podcast and we haven't yet talked about the Monaghan, Monaghan uh, Senior Football <laughs> Championship and the, the goings on that we all witnessed at the weekend. Oh, it's going to be plenty of fun this again. Well, Carmen Cross and Marrick both 12 to 1 on Labrooks.com to win out the Monaghan Senior yeah. Championship. Barrett Loon got to the other and final last coming up for intermediate. But not a million miles away from each other either. Uh, this Can I tell you about that, that video though? Sorry, the one thing that, that stood out to me wasn't so much like uh, he just getting into fights, whatever. That's that's a normal enough thing, whatever. You wouldn't be worried about that. What I like was it's clearly obvious that half the town were pretending to go for a walk on the side of the GA pitch and just really slowly looking in. So look, we don't want to laugh at like you know restrictions or anything like that or whatever. But like that was like it was so clear that there was a good hundred and fifty people there, just kind of slightly off where you'd normally be standing watching a match, let's say, but just sort of wandering slowly past the GA pitch, up and down, up and down. Definitely, PJ. What are you going? Was like one? Yeah, no, I was going to say the uh, like one of the interesting things about the the Waterford final. Um, you know, about. Uh, Belly going to go for seven in a row but the last team to beat them in the final were Passage it was seven years ago so that, that kind of makes it for like an, like an, like an interesting game um, I can't like uh, Belly Gunner, I, I think Belly Gunner are going to they were like it was my first time really watching them at the weekend against Lismore and they were fantastic they, 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 they were like a really really slick hurling team defence is very strong as well like Barry Cox and is like one of the best defenders fullbacks in the country he he had, he locked down Mara Shanahan. Um, like Lismore didn't help themselves in that they just let Desi Desi Hutchinson run absolute riot. Like they he he was like he scored two seven in the first half and they put no one on him. They put no like they did nothing else to kind of change. We'll make a switch on him. We'll put two players on him. They did not really to try and to try and stop him. And so I don't think that like you would think that wouldn't happen. 
against against Pathogy, with like that they had better be a bit uh, a bit more savvy, a bit more kind of have a bit more mouth than that. If they did, like, hopefully they'd make yeah, an interesting game. Yeah, but like, like it's it's hard to see like Ballygun are not winning that. But it hopefully be an interesting game. The big question is, PJ, what's going to be your next new love affair now that the Waterford Tournament Championship is coming to an end? Mark, I I think I've picked out. I'm go, going to go, I'm going for a short one, like 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 a little mini series, kind of limited series. I'm gonna I'm jumping into the Armagh Football Championship. So this oh. weekend, this weekend they're at the semi-final stage. Uh, both, 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 both semi-finals live on Linwood's Armagh Television, Armagh TV, and uh, Pierce Oak against Mahari and Cross Midlin against Clevey. I'm uh, Armagh, like Armagh, Armagh football is it's like one of those things that I've I've always been. I kind of like I'd have a passing, like an interest in out from the outside. One of those things mm-hmm. that I'd. You think I'd like to find out more about it, and I think now is the time. So I'm going to lay nine to two on on labrooks.com to win the championship this year. So you you seem to be going from one uh, championship with a heavy favourite in it to another one. Yeah, I could probably pick a little bit better. Um, like I was going to put forward the idea. I've, I've kept forward. I've kept quiet until now. I've not really talked about it over the last few weeks, which uh, is unlike me. But PJ, have you considered? The Cavan Senior Championship. <laughs> Mark, I had not. Uh, but I see here that they're all four quarterfinals are being streamed by Cavstream. So, yeah, all uh, four finals streaming this weekend. Mark, sell it to me. Why should I get into the Cavan Senior Football it's Championship? Shorten, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'd go through the last few years, right? Castle Rahan won the championship last year. Uh, There's a second year in a row winning it, but they beat... Rami United last year, Krishna Law the previous year in 2018. Castle Rahan had lost three finals in a row before that, losing to Cavan Gales, Rami United, Kingskirt Stars. So if you count them all up, they are four different winners in the last five years of the championship, plus, uh, plus Krishna Law as well for good measure in the final as well. So they're all still in the championship, all those teams. Kingskirt would have been ranked as the outsiders of all them uh, going into the group stages where you play four games in Cavan. They've won all the four games. So they didn't play any of the big guns, but they've won them all. They have a uh, quarterfinal against uh, Mullahorn this weekend, which you'd have to make Kingscourt strong favourites for as well, given that they finished top Mullahorn came in at A. So now you're looking at it, and it's anybody's championship. Looking at labrooks.com here, Castle Rahan are 11 to 4 to win it out. Chris Lauer 3 to 1, Cavan Gale 7 to 2, Kingscourt 4 to 1, Ram United 4 to 1, which is interesting because Ram United play Cavan Gales this weekend. I would have made Ram United favourites for that game. Uh, so like, it is anybody's. Like, n- I, c- I couldn't tell you who is going to be in the final, never mind who's going to win that. Like, Kasserahan, everybody, they'd lost a few different players. Obviously, Kian Mackey uh, went to um, Molignacta in the off-season while he's played with them this, this year. So there was a kind of thing of like, oh, well, Kasserahan, they've got their two wins now. There's a, bit of, a lot of older players that have been there for a while that they're kind of done. But now they've come roaring back in the championship, got players back, and all of a sudden they're favourites to win it out. You've got Chris Lott, a, mass, a brilliant young team, that were like they lost that final to Castle Rahan a couple of years ago, but I think it was a point. If memory serves right, everyone's like, "Oh, this Crystal Law team, there's a senior championship. They could go on to dominate this championship uh, still at some point." So they're back. Rami United won it a few years ago. Came very close last year. Again, massive, massive panel. They actually have another team in the in Cabinet Media Championship. They are living. They're the Virginia club for anyone who wouldn't know them. So they've got a big pick, and again, they've got brilliant young players coming through. And then Kingscourt Stars, who are historically one of the biggest clubs in Cavan, haven't been involved in the final in a few years. But once they get, they will, they're the type of team that they'll fear no one. They're the team that it doesn't matter 
what they're like going into it. They they'll you know they'll go out with their chest out, and obviously they've won the four games so far. So you got to, and then you've you've got outsiders like Gauna, Lavi, Mullahorn, all capable of causing an upset on the day. Like I wouldn't be surprised if one of them got a win, an upset win at the weekend. But there, look, I'm after telling it to you, PJ. It's all four games, three win this weekend. It's uh, it's and it's anybody's championship. If I was to watch just one, Mark, which one should I watch? Ram United against Cavan Gales, without a doubt. Okay. That is on, a like, fr- on Friday night as well, handily enough, it appears, yeah? Yeah, so there you go. Like, I mean, like a double dose of Ulster football for me on Friday night, though. <laughs> Exciting times. Mick looks like he's falling asleep there, Mick. What's wrong? Are we still here? Yeah. What's, uh... okay. <laughs> it is time for us to go. Any closing comments, lads? Uh, also, like we're watching also this weekend, Tipperary Hurling Championship, which there's, there's four cracking games, like and they're all streaming as well. Like Kiladangan, Tumivara, Tordis Neog, Clanaltine Loth uh Rothmore against Lockmore Castle and Bur Burchley against Drummond Inch. Like they're four cracking games. Like it like if we're looking for some hurling this weekend, tip, tip is probably the place to go. Good stuff. Jeez, we've, there's lots to pick from. Obviously, check out on site. We'll have more details on any of the games that are on TV as well, in case you want to list to them. But thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Lads, thanks for joining me. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, you can do so by searching the Build Up on Ball City on all good podcast apps. If you are having a bet on any of the sport this weekend, gamble, please gamble responsibly and visit on louis.net for more information. But that is it from us. Until we chat to you again, mind yourself. Mind yourself.